Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 588. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Red Twig Farms, based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. Well, a few weeks ago, we had a virtual visit to the Big Island of Hawaii to meet farmer florist. Christian Ingalls of Daisy Dukes Flower Farm. Today we're journeying to the Canadian province of Manitoba, where it's quite the opposite weather-wise. But you'll be warmed by my guest's positive energy and inspiring story. You may remember meeting Lourdes Still of Masagana Flower Farm and Tinta Studio during our Slow Flowers meetup in March of 2021. The theme was diving into dye plants. And Lourdes was one of three expert members who shared about how they integrate plant-based natural dyes into their cut flower farms and businesses. In the past 18 months, a lot has happened at Masagana Flower Farm, and I asked Lourdes to share how her entire business focus has shifted to on-farm experiences built around growing and crafting with dye plants. By partnering with Tourism Manitoba and taking advantage of mentorship and grant programs for small businesses in her area, Lourdes has leveraged her micro-farm and textile studio into a flower destination that soon will draw customers not only during flower farming season, but year-round. In the past two years, Lourdes has hosted between 75 and 81 Tinta Experience guests annually. And with the opening of her new studio, which we'll hear about in the interview, Lourdes hopes to double the capacity and reach about 160 guests annually, with summer being the busiest time of the year. So let's jump right in and meet Lourdes Still of Masagana Flower Farm, and we'll have all kinds of things to share with you after this episode. Well, hey, everybody. I am so excited today to welcome our special guest, Lourdes Still of Masagana Flower Farm in Manitoba. Hi, Lourdes. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad we finally got this on the calendar. And, you know, we've talked about it for a while. Uh, people may recognize Lourdes. She was part of a group of three 
uh, plant dye experts that we uh, hosted on the Slow Flowers member meetup in 2021. And that blew people's minds. And that was just a quickie. So I wanted something extensive here to hear your story. Um, and you've got some of your textiles behind you. <laughs> yeah. And I can't believe that it's already like a year and so ago. It felt right. like just very recent. It was in the middle of COVID and, and people needed to be inspired. And you you and the others were just so inspiring. Um, but you kind of have a hybrid business. So I'd love to have you give us a snapshot of uh, Masagana Flower Farm. And I'll probably pop up some of the slide, some of the pages of your website while we're talking so people can get a flavor for it. So first of all, thanks for joining me and give us a snapshot of Masagana. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I live in an acreage. So we have a five acre here um, and one acre is, um, um, I guess, cleared. And so where the house is and um, this place, actually, um, my husband, my boyfriend, now, who's my husband now, he is already like living outside the city. Um, and so since we've been, well, we met like late 2015 and we started like gardening. He, ha he already has like a plot. Um, that was like ready to garden in 2016. And then since then, um, well, actually after he said to me, after I think after one year of like growing our food together, he told me or he asked me if I knew that lawns are an introduced concept, mm. you know? And so, I mean, maybe I have heard it in the past and then I look more and read more about it. And um, yeah, so we were in the same page that the lawn, the big lawn, um, that we have here, we can turn it into um, something more productive. So since 2016, we've been transforming our lawn into garden beds. We started, well, he started with uh, 20 by 30. Yeah, and then same approximately amount of like lawn um, will cover or we've tried like many things on how to turn the lawn into garden beds. And then 2021 is when we finally have the 4,800 square foot off um, square feet off the lawn into wow. garden beds. Wow. Yeah. So it is mostly annuals. I have a 10 by 10 penny uh, plant bed. So I think I have about um, 20 plants in there, different five varieties. 2023 will be the first year that I'm supposed to have. Um, it will be their third year. Right. Um, I have shifted. So in my short history as a flower grower, I have shifted to agritourism or an experiential tourism. This is an example of um, agritourism. I call it Tinta Dyer on Wearable Art Experience or Tinta Experience. So I call myself a flower grower, natural dyer and an experience guide. Yeah, I'm going to pop that up on your on your website because it's a it's wonderful. You've really defined uh, these three features. You're an experienced guide, a flower grower, and a natural dyer. And it's wonderful that you have just sort of organized your website so people can dive into each of these uh, themes, right? Yeah, you know what? I laugh because um, I know uh, for my, you know, the marketing um, people that I work with, you know, we kind of like try to define yourself like as a one person. But I think with just my personality, I cannot be boiled down to one thing. And so I, I had to say this, this is, this is who I am. I mean, you just gotta have to roll with it. Yeah, that's funny. So the marketing coach was like, no, no, you can only have one one kind of brand. And you're like, no, I can have three. 
Yeah, or like, you know, like what will be my, um, I mean, it was still, I feel like the business is constantly evolving, but I know mm. that I found my sweet spot um, in this um, experiential tourism, which is a kids experience. Yeah. But you couldn't have this experiential tourism if you didn't have the flowers. So everything still goes back to growing, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yes, and I think it came uh, from this desire to only use locally grown flowers. But how can I do that and have a viable business in Manitoba where our growing season, we only have approximately, in my specific area, average 102 days, frost-free wow. uh, days. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so That's incredible. So you have to, like, extend the seasons in every way possible and create value-added um, kind of revenue streams because of how extreme your conditions are. Yes. Wow. Yes. So of the, of the removed lawn, I just have to stop and ask, how much mm -hmm. is devoted to food? Do, do you let your husband mm. grow a little bit of food or is it mostly Oh, my fun? gosh. Oh, we have. So <laughs> last year, no, I, I run out of room for my flowers. And I'm like, um, I, I did grow some of our food in pots. But mm. I'm, I'm telling him and I'm telling myself to know we got to dedicate some um garden beds um, for, for our food. I mean, it's only the two of us anyway. So I don't really need to have um, maybe more than like, I think four rows of like 20 um, feet beds are like yeah. 20. Um, it just yeah. needs for me like to, um, yeah, like with the planning and stuff. But yeah, I, so we did grow some of our food, um, but just I did uh, most of them on pots like last year. Container gardening for food, yeah. I mean, since you're so focused on education, you probably can just use them to teach people when they come to the farm, too. Yeah, and people sometimes they are amazed too on uh, what you can grow in pots. And I think um, that is kind of like one of the kind of like um, main thing that I wanted to, um, the message that I want to give across like to people, like how Oh, with um, resources that we have right now that already what we have, how can we kind of utilize it? And looking mm -hmm. at a place of like abundance rather than scarcity, which ironically, mm -hmm. or um, it's actually the Tagalog or the English translation of Masagana, like abundance. Really? And it's, yeah. Masagana is a Tagalog word that means abundance. Yeah. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Oh, my goodness. So um, now, because we're talking about what, what the farm looks like now, talk about mm -hmm. what what are these channels, experience guide, flower grower, natural dyer. Like, how do you break up, how do you slice up the pie and, and keep it all in, yeah. in, in play? Yeah, so Tinta Experience, I describe it as an immersive on-farm experience. Um um, so it's an example of experience, experiential tourism where um, the people, um, you know, tourists um, go dive, not, dive really deep into the places um, that they go to. So they really want to experience like the culture or the, the people that, um, that, you know, host these um, experiences. So that's what I basically do. So I actually now... now um, um, advertiser describe it as a four hour experience because in especially this past year three and a half it's just kind of like really um, stretching it so four hours you get to learn about uh, how we turn our lawns into garden beds uh, what are the plants and flowers that we grow um, and then th this guest as they wandering in the garden and um, you know learning about the flowers that we're growing they get to pick the flowers themselves. So that's kind of like the you pick aspect of yes. um, 
uh, of the experience. And then, so they fill up a, a basket and then we go back to my outdoor studio. And then I guide them on how we turn this into the like, tangible memories of their time at the farm, which is through, so the silk scarf we dye with the flowers that they pick. And then uh, there's also a cotton shawl that they learn uh, surface design and then we dip that. And so they take home um, indigo dyed uh, shawl as well. And then at the wow. end of their time together, that creative time, I love... <laughs> Um, Filipino culture uh, revolves around, um, you know, a food festive in celebration. So we do have, we end our time with like um, a small snack um, just to like celebrate ourselves for allowing ourselves to, because most people that come here too, they would say, you know, that they're not a creative enough, but um, mm -hmm. no, that's beside the point. This is a, a safe space for you to um, express that. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. And it's such a nice model based on all of your passions and, um, you know, like utilizing every aspect of your farm. I'm so, can you unpack it a little bit? What is the largest city that, that like how far outside of the like urban area oh. are you? Yeah. So an hour from Winnipeg. So the city okay. of Winnipeg is just an hour yeah, um, on highway one. Yeah. It's not far. So people love that. Um, it's not, uh, it's not a long drive. No, and are you pretty much drawing from that that Winnipeg kind of greater Winnipeg marketplace where people live yeah. urban and they're coming out to the country? Yes, I am. But also, it was interesting. Like this year, I do get a lot of people too from outside the city, so kind of like further east than me. Um, so they could be like an hour, two hours from the city. Mm. So yeah, I'm really happy that um, it's gaining um, exposure to like um, the rural setting. Yeah. yeah. And teaching them about what you did with your lawn, to me, that's such a great takeaway because most of the people coming, I'm assuming they're, they're just garden enthusiasts. They're not trying to learn flower farming from you, right? So you're giving them some ideas of what they could do themselves. Yes, exactly. And I, you know, they know that we're going to not going to go uh, deep dive into, you know, technical aspect of natural diet. We just go to the fun part like right away. And um, yeah, so even though I explained to them what kind of like um, what we can get out of the what the, their end product will be, but I always invite them to like drop their expectation and just be in the process mm, because it's going to look it. good, you know, otherwise, like we just have to embrace the, the process here. Yeah. We want to take home beautiful things. And I think um, it's kind of like almost besides the point, even though, you know, that's kind of like what, what you're trying to sell, but also kind of besides the point. Yeah. But they, uh, that human desire for like a keepsake or an artifact, it, you're tapped right into that. You know, they want that what did you say like a, a tangible memory tangible, of tangible memory I love that that's yeah, beautiful yeah. so when they're doing the you pick are you in kind of steering them toward plants that you know can be used for pigment <laughs> or does everything create a pigment uh, on your oh farm? yeah that's a really great question because yeah so I will tell them which are the ones that I have experience with um you know dying with them and kind of like know what colors that we can get from them but I also have to kind of like preach to myself to that, hey, because people would like to, they're so curious about like what this flower will like give them, right? And then I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. This is all about experience. So yeah, pick whatever you want, but just, you know, but also emphasizing, but these also are the flowers that we know are, um, have dying capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like, yeah, it's any, sometimes I, I do learn during this time too that, 
hey, am I becoming rigid? You know, this is all about experiencing. We want to be surprised by flowers. So you have to kind of go with the flow too, when depending on the their interests and their questions. Yeah. 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 What's, yeah. Yeah. What do you like? What's your perfect uh, student group size? Like how many people would you accommodate in one, one of those sessions? Yeah, I do a maximum of six because I feel like that's a good um, number of people for me where I can still interact and then take care of each one of them. Um, I think I can. Yeah. So, so right now, so, and what I've um, hosted in the past, max six. Yeah. And can you, do you mind telling us how much you're charging for that? Yeah, so my rate this year was 225 per person plus tax. Um, yeah, it was a jump from 2021. I had 160 uh, per person. But also, because I, so 2021, so I, I did offer it, but I was also on a um, coaching program um, with my tourism um, age. Not, not ages, but tourism group like in my area. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually our facilitator um, in creating this um, experiential tourism. They actually have an Excel sheet where you, on, on the costing of the experience. So I was able <laughs> to um, put a cost on it that really values my time and also um, the resources that needs, you know, that I need to, um, to bring to the table to put together this experience. Yeah, but it sounds like you've expanded it and justified going up to 225. It's, you know, for a half day, like that seems very reasonable. Plus they're getting to take something home with them. Um, And if you think, you know, if you're able to do how many of these, like one a week or like what is your Um, pace? So, yeah, so I have done, so August, um, I would do like two, uh, two hosting a week. Yeah, I did wow. Wednesday night and then mostly like um, Saturday. Uh, well, afternoon. Yeah. Wednesday afternoon yeah. and then, um, yeah, Saturday afternoon. That's great. And this will continue for next year then? Yes. And um, um, so actually um, next year is where when I'm hoping to uh, start offering it on a year, year-round year basis. And so the programming would actually shift um, based on the season. Um, and that can that can only happen if I have um, a heated like all season um, building, which I am. So I am I could say like two thirds done with building the studio. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll open late spring, and then from then on the program we will be like year round. Wow. Well, I have so many questions. One is I think that that a great takeaway for anyone listening to this who wants to do on farm experiences partnering with your tourism group seems like that was a natural for you to get kind of some external support and also promotion, right? How did that come, come together? Yeah. Um, okay. So I think my mindset in the last two years was just really trying everything out. I have an idea. Let's try it out so that if it doesn't work, then I move on to the next thing. I love it. Um, so um, I attended, so Eastman Tourism, they had an, an online um, conference about experiential tourism. And then they eventually have, um, they're piloting a project, creating new experiences in our region. And so they had an application for, for tourism operators. Um, and yeah, so I applied and I got in. So what I got out of that is um, I kind of like 
went into the program already have an idea so i was partnered up with two mentors that i met like regularly um just thinking out of the box in all of the aspect to offer this um, unique one-of-a-kind experience um and then yeah so um that came about because i was just um i think i had my eyes open for every opportunity that i think that i could benefit from Right and, right. and true enough, like I, I did because um I think the confidence to um you know to offer something that maybe you know I've never done before in Manitoba in a sense that you know because I'm doing everything. I know that other flower farmers would do the natural dyeing as well, but they bring in the artists with them. But for this one, I am all of it. Yeah. That's in, awesome. in my business model right now, yeah. That's right. And so right before we started recording, you said you had a session with your mentor. Is that the mentor that, that you've been working with? Or is that yeah, a different mentor? <laughs> yeah, it's a different mentor. So that mentor that I was uh, telling you about. So, okay, what year are we? 2022. So 2021 is when I was writing my business plan. And I was, I, I was writing my business plan. I got into the coaching program. And then I actually also was working with a marketing coach. Um, that really helped me find my voice and helped me tell my stories uh, well. Um, okay, so 2021, so and I did Tinta Experience in last summer. So I stopped writing the business plan in the summer and then went back writing to it like in the fall because now I have the data. This is, I had 81 people go to this Tinta Experience and this is how a flower farm in Manitoba can be uh, economically viable if I oh, wow. shifted to experiential tourism. So submitted that in December. And then there was also a federal grant um, that opened for a new experience uh, tourism operator. So I applied for that grant. So January of this year, I got the news that I got the grant from Travel Manitoba. And then that really helped actually boost my application with Futurepreneur to get the business loan. So together... Um, wow. that has how I got the funding for the studio and then Futurepreneur, they actually pair you up with a mentor for a minimum of two years. Okay. So yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So Futurepreneur, is that a federal program then? No, so Futurepreneur is a nonprofit organization, okay. um, that helps between 18 to 39, um, startup companies. Wow. So congratulations. Gonna, That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And I was rushing that application because I'm turning 40 next year. So I was like, I, I need to uh, get serious in this and submit my application. Oh, you have to be between 18 or 39 years of age yeah. to qualify. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You, well, yeah. that's okay. You're, you're, you're living, you're living the right, the right uh, path there because mm -hmm. you took advantage of that opportunity and you were telling me about it. The, the, the business loan, you had a, a specific goal for that and that was to build your studio is that correct yes yeah the okay, loan so and then the, and the, yeah so the loan and the, the grant money combined is what funded um the studio which is two-thirds done now um so that um yeah um and all the all my deposits are like paid so now um the, the trusses takes about like eight to nine weeks so i'm giving myself eight to nine weeks to get my a shortfall because Oh, Deborah, the inflation and also what do I know about construction? I only right. really, I didn't know that. I only budgeted for materials and labor, but we had to dig, have a holding tank. 
um, and all that stuff. So the building kind of like its own, uh, I mean, it's the power line is connected to the house. But, right. But all that infrastructure. Yes. Yes. Um, wow. But it was so, I, I must say too, that um, I got, I got scared with this. So I got the loan January, February, 2022 this year. Um, and, you know, like the design um, aspect, getting all the codes. Um, I did pause for like a month and I almost returned the money. Wow. Because I just, it just felt like once you put on all this deposit, it, ha you know, it, it's a loan that you have to pay back. You know, it just really got scary. It just felt like so grown up thing to do. But when I, when I got past that, chatting with my mentor and just, and other, you know, um, community and people that I, um, you know, I trust. And, and so, you know, I process it with them. And so like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to take, take, take this, take the next step. And I did. And I must say when the walls were like coming, rising, you know, when my contractor is here, it's just an incredible feeling that it, um, from, from that uncertainty, um, they're on the same side of uh, two sides of the same coin, uncertainty, but also the possibilities. Okay, once the studio is up, I can do more programming, you know, and at the same time, I mean, I could say, you know, uh, I did some like community um, outreach as well that, and then I can do more of that too. So yeah. yeah, just like the uncertainty becomes like endless possibilities of what the studio will be all about. Wow. That's amazing. Can you describe, I know you're going to shoot a little video so we can see it, but roughly what is its size and um, give us, like, it's on your property. So it's like just a few steps yeah. from your back door, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, yeah, so the architect that I work with, with the design, actually, they're the one who suggested, what do you think about you guys building it in the woods? So it's actually it's going to be a studio in the woods. Um, it's oh. a 22 by 22 structure. It has, so the opening is um, west facing. So we have the demand door. It will have a composting toilet wheelchair accessible. Uh, this will be a wheelchair accessible building too. And so is the, the washroom. And then we have a big window. And then the back will be a three door, three three door patio doors that will open exit to the woods. Oh, so wow. I feel like people that when they come for this thing to experience, they will not only experience, you know, the the gardens which are in front lawns. And then if you go to the studio and I know that it will feel like kind of like hitting two birds with one yeah. stone because yeah you were at a flower farm and then in the garden and then you get we get to create in the woods um yeah and it will be it is surrounded by aspen forest uh which actually gives um a dye color which is my favorite um yellow so it really felt like I'm in the right spot, you know oh it's amazing <laughs> yeah well, congratulations and you know I I love that you were honest and, and shared about the, the nervousness and the, you know, risk. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're all trying to figure it out. Like there's no guidebook for how to be a floral entrepreneur. Yeah. You just had to kind of seek and be open to all these opportunities. And then at some point it is down to you and your willingness to tolerate risk. Right. I mean, you just yeah. you got yourself over the hump on that. Oh my, I mean, actually my mentor was just saying last week that um, I sounded differently, you know, uh, five months ago when I'm like on the brink of just like returning the money because it just felt like too much. I mean, there was just so much going on too in my life that um, I don't know if I can do this. And so kind of like the easy way out is just like um, right. drop this dream. But um, 
you know, persisted on. And I, oh yeah, I also can't believe that I'm in this, you know, I'm, I'm over that hump and then I'm not, I'm now on to like, okay, what's next? Um, yeah. Cause I think I see it too um, in the lens of service. Um, I mean, just the reviews and testimonials that I got, like the last years that I offered it, I want to do more of that. Like how mm. they're seeing, they are inspired, you know, to go back to their own green spaces and and try to create more with what they have. And for most of them, they're gardeners. And so they have a new inter- um, way of interacting with their yeah. plants. Which, yeah. So that's, yeah. And it, okay, I, I want to do more of that. I want to impact you know, more people, one garden at a time, I guess. Yes, I love it. And, you know, just to go back to the page of your website that I showed with the um, sort of the three buckets of Masangana Flower Farm, the flower grower bucket and the natural dyer bucket also are nurtured by this new studio, I would imagine. Like this is, you can now produce your dyes there and it's a working studio and do you use it for harvesting and and storage too or do you have a different space for that <laughs> yeah because you know i need that because oh my gosh like i i'm actually allergic to pollens and so oh, even no. if i'm harvesting flowers especially that orange cosmos i would be like sneezing all the I'm already like outside. Uh, even my husband like when so I bring everything in. I we have a high ceiling house here, so I have like an eighth year like herb dryer. So that's where I have them. I put them in. Um, this is my secret. I use um, produce bag. So that's where I fill the the flowers and then put them in my herb dryer. And even when they're dry, and I have to like flip them, you know. Um, and we will just be sneezing. So the studio will be. <laughs> So that the personal life, our house will be like pollen free and then it will just like stay in the studio. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so that you're in your dining room right now, you said. So you're, you've got shelves and baskets and like half of the business is taking over your house. Oh yeah. And actually I've cleaned it already because I just finished my two big markets and I still have like one market this weekend, which this uh, silk scarves will hopefully um, get bought. But yeah, most of my flowers still are like in these jars. So the shelf here behind me are uh, fill, are full with um, dried flowers that we've um, harvested this summer. Lourdes, this is kind of off topic, but during the growing season, which you said is only three months, are you selling uh, fresh flowers? Are you... Oh, yeah still supplying fresh flowers to your local customers? Yeah, I do actually, but I focus on that aspect through UPIC. Um, mm. And then mm. I actually market it. Like I do, that's the five liter bucket, like the the black bucket, which yes. I would charge it like at 65 plus tax. And people come with their, I, I tell them that they can bring another friend so people would share. Yeah, so I don't, I, I drop doing subscription, um, but the UPIC is still something that people, you know, would like to, sure. to, to come for. Yeah. And then what you don't, what is not harvested for UPIC customers, that's what you're harvesting to process into your dye products, right? And, or yeah, to dry. So, yeah, exactly. So in between uh, the days that we're hosting the Tinta Experience, um, we would just be trying to keep up with the blooms um, and harvesting. Uh, yeah, like basically every day. It was so fascinating too that sometimes I would worry that, oh, we've like over harvested and then will there be like flowers for like the, you know, the next day when we're hosting and then true enough, like Cosmos and uh, Mar- well, Marigold will take a few days, but like Cosmos were like, oh yeah, like it seems like we, you know, we didn't harvest. And they perk back up and say, pick me. Exactly. 
I love that. Um, I know you've got something big coming up. As you said, you've got this period of time waiting for your trusses and you have to raise some money for the shortfall on, and like anybody who's done a home renovation project understands that there's, you're always over budget, right? So um, tell us about this and how we can support you on the Kickstarter. Yeah, so I'm short fifty thousand uh, dollars to finish the studio, and that will basically that will complete the construction. Um, so I'm doing a Kickstarter, trying to raise half of that twenty five thousand um, for the thirty days that the Kickstarter campaign will run, and then um, the other half I'm going to. I mean, if the Kickstarter go well and beyond, then maybe uh, because the, the other half of the fall short, I'm going to reach out. Uh, to get another business loan uh, for that. Uh, um, yeah, so the Kickstarter, I'm just um, finalizing it. I am hoping to have it up and running um, the end of this week, either December 8 or 9, and that will run for for a month um, to run some of my fall short. Wonderful, and best wishes on that. We'll share the link to your Kickstarter when it's up and running. And, um, you know, I think that, what you're doing is a takeaway for a lot of people. So there's so much love and support in this community. I, I know our, our listeners are going to want to check that out, and, you know, even, you. you know, make a small contribution. Cause it sounds like you probably would take a Kickstarter different. You have like a perks at different levels, right? Yes, <clears throat> I do have some rewards and I think, um, I don't know, like you said, like it, it is um, my heart and soul. When I host, I know that people have um, come to Teen Experience and they've told me that it felt like they were family, you know, um, and so I want to continue doing that. So actually, it's one of the perks is not only we get like a small snack, but we're going to have a spread of a Filipino feast to really have a taste of, you know, the culture that I try to celebrate. Um, yeah, in my in my tint experience. Oh, my gosh. How big is the Filipino community in Winnipeg and oh Manitoba? Gosh. Is it is it significant? <laughs> It, it is significant, and I should know the number, but I don't. But um, I know, too, that our language, like Tagalog, is like the second most spoken word like in the city. So, yeah, we do have a big Filipino community in Winnipeg. Wow, I love it. You're representing. It, it, it will inspire others, too. Other, you know, artists and entrepreneurs, too, because um, what you're doing is definitely, you know, not common. And even among the, the tourism uh, group, there's probably not a lot anybody else doing what you're doing. There's probably other types of agritourism, but um, mm-hmm. are there flower farms involved or you're kind of unique to that? I know that kind of a, the exact business model that I'm doing is a you know, flower farm, natural dyer, and this experience tourism. I, I am um, the first, but I could be, you know, so I could be corrected. I know that other flower farms uh, would bring in, have the natural dyeing aspect. Um, but they bring in the artist, um, you know, like you uh, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're the you're yeah, the artist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did I put you on the spot there? I love it. You know, no, yeah, it, it's so interesting. Like, um, I just do it, and I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, yeah, people have um, said that that you know that the artist, but I don't know where is the. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not comfortable in, you know, telling that myself. I, I'm your experience guy. I think I love that better. Okay. But I have seen, I follow you on Instagram and I have seen you post when you do sort of these one-off exhibitions or, or artists mm-hmm. collectives. Like there's a lot of these opportunities that come up that you participate in, right? Yes. 
Yes, yeah. and actually, uh, I, don't, we don't, I know we don't have a lot of time, but like, yeah, I've, I've been involved with the Manitoba Craft Council and it's just a really been a beautiful experience to hone into that, like, um, you know, to see um, flowers as, as um, you know, as an art piece in, I don't know, it, it just feels like the world is so dynamic that um, I can go either way, you know, I'm free to explore uh, what it is that... Um, that my heart I wanted to to explore, you know, with my hands. So um, it's been an incredible experience. And yeah, um, and Manitoba Craft Council with the Winnipeg Art Gallery um, hosted, crafted, show and sale. And it was just a fantastic event. And I just love my time there, you know, three days uh, being there and especially meeting people who um, came up to me and just wanted to talk about flowers and dyes. And yeah, it's been pretty incredible. Wow. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh, Lourdes. I, I, I got to get to Manitoba. I want to see this amazing oh studio in the woods. It sounds so beautiful. It Congratulations. Be, it, yeah, it would be an honor like to host you one day, whenever that be. Yeah. I, I'm not that far away. <laughs> I'm, I'm at least near the Canadian border. <laughs> Okay. Well, listen, um, this has been so great. We are not done with this show. Uh, Lourdes is going to send me a video that I can add as part two, part two of this. And mind you, it's December and, you know, there's no flowers growing, but I, I really want people to see your studio space. So uh, thanks for offering to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else I didn't ask you that you want to make sure we mention on the show? Um, oh, what else? Um, I think one of, um, in a way, pivotal moment um, in my career, you know, um, shifting to focusing on working with flowers, um, attending Becky Feastby's um, Sustainable Flowers Workshop in 2019, which she calls now Sustainable uh, Flowers Project, it was, became um, not only at that time, you know, a, a space to like to learn, and meet other um, people who are kind of like in the same journey, but I think it felt like a kinship building mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. um, it felt like, okay, this, this, the values that I have now and the reasons why I wanted to just focus on locally grown flowers, I'm not, um, I am just like one of many who wanted yes. to the same kind of like trajectory. And yeah, it was a kinship building and I was so grateful. Actually, I heard of her through your podcast. Oh my goodness. How fun yeah, is that? Yeah, and I have a trailer too that my my husband built into a cooler, and the, at that time she has the the trailer. So I was just like, "Who is this?" Girl? So I looked her up and then found her on, on Instagram, and then I think it was the same year. So I think I the interview was like the podcast episode was like April or something, and then mm -hmm. and then September that year I went to her uh, workshop. Yes, yes, and she had, <laughs> she invited me to that September workshop, but. I already had tickets to go see Earth, Wind, and Fire in LA. <laughs> that was my excuse. <laughs> yeah. And then the following year, she's like, "Oh, come in 2020." And guess what? It was virtual. I think it was virtual. Or no, I guess I joined by Zoom because I couldn't travel. I think travel. that was the following year. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't travel. But what a wonderful connection, you know that that community that um, all of the flower farmers in Canada have built independent, but I'm so grateful that you're part of Slow Flowers and we do, we do love our Becky. She's, she's definitely out there, you know, connecting people and that's what we need. We need to have community. And it does, I was just thinking about that listening to you. I was like, wow, it really takes a village of mentors and advisors and people 
in your physical community who want to see you succeed, even though they don't know anything about flower farming, but they want to nurture small businesses and, and young entrepreneurs. So it's yeah. a great, I'm just inspired by your story. And, and I'm again, excited. I'm excited that when we post this at slowflowerspodcast.com, I'll also get some photos uh, of your oh, work yeah. that we can share. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do you ship to the U.S. at all, Lourdes? Has that happened yet? Or yes, is that- um, the sales the curve I do. But right now, um, it's so the it's so hard to restock the website. Just all the work. Um, I don't have my uh, my employee anymore. Um, like it just ended the season. So sure. um, yeah, it's just so hard. Um, yeah, but I, what I have there right now is the DIY die kit, which I think I shouldn't be actually shipping to the U.S. Um, so, oh, all right. Well, we won't hold you yeah. to that. But people can yeah. check you out and, and message you if they have a question. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, we'll see part two next. Take care. You too. much for joining me today. Please check out episode 588 on slowflowerspodcast.com to watch the replay video of our interview, which will include a short video tour that Lourdes filmed to show us her studio in progress. I've also included a gallery of beautiful flowers and textile photos from Masagana Flower Farm and Tinta Studio, and a link to the replay video from Dive Into Dye Plants, our meetup, where you'll hear from Lourdes, as well as from Julie Beeler of Bloom and Dye and Elaine Vandiver of Golson Gardens. You'll also find the link to Lourdes' Kickstarter campaign, which is raising funds to complete her studio. The studio construction is two-thirds finished, and Lourdes needs to raise the final funds to complete the building for her 2023 season. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. In the news this week, the Slow Flowers Summit early bird ticket sale continues through the end of December. You'll want to take advantage of the $100 off discount that we've extended to our Slow Flowers members and guests. The Slow Flowers Summit is unique as a professional floral industry conference because it brings together influencers in both growing and design, all to support domestic floral agriculture and sustainable floristry. We invite flower lovers, artists, gardeners, growers, wholesalers, and retailers to come together in this event that celebrates responsible design practices. The Slow Flower Summit takes place June 26th and 27th, 2023, with a strategic partnership with our venue and host, Bellevue Botanical Garden in Bellevue, Washington, outside of Seattle. You'll find links and all the details in today's show notes for episode 588 at com, or just check out slowflowersummit.com to register and join us next June. Our final thank you goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. 
Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 900,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or a long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Thank you.